We're less than one week away from the kickoff of the 2020 college football season, and it didn't always feel like we were going to have a fall filled with football. COVID-19 has left athletic departments and conferences around the country with some very big and important decisions to make. And joining me today on Salary Cap to talk about how North Texas is adapting to these challenges is Ren Baker, Athletic Director at UNT. Ren, always good to talk to you, man. Thanks for joining me. Always good to join you guys. I mean, I thought the last time we talked uh, in March that uh, we'd be covering something different at this point, but we talked pandemic then and we're talking pandemic now. So here we are. Boy, we, we talked right as the uh, the Conference USA basketball tournament was supposed to get underway. And it feels like ages ago, but uh, but we're, we're, we're back here. We're talking again. And you're right, we're still talking pandemic because I, I think, at least in my mind, I thought, okay, month, two months max, we're going to get past this thing. Uh, but here we are six months later and, uh, and big decisions are being made when it comes to football. There's no doubt. I don't think any of us thought, uh, well, maybe scientists and doctors did. They're much smarter than, than uh, us athletic administrators. <laughs> but I don't think any of us thought in March we'd still be dealing with this. Um, and uh, it's certainly been very challenging, um, you know, as we try and live life with the virus. I mean, um, you know, you, we may end up uh, measuring that in years and not months or days, which I don't think is something any of us um, imagine. So it's been uh, some difficult times, uh, and but you know everybody's going through it. We're all going through it together. Everybody's businesses have been impacted. Everybody's lives have been impacted. Uh, public schools have been impacted. Church services impacted. So we just got to learn how to improvise, adapt, and overcome, and we'll be better. Uh, off for it and, and uh, we'll do a better job because uh, we'll learn from our lessons uh, next time around. Absolutely. No, I, I, I think you're, you're absolutely right that, that learning lessons from, from this particular instance will help us in the future. Uh, now that you're getting uh, athletes back on campus and the football season's about to, to kick off here soon, how does it feel to be able to get your athletes back on campus and to have that sense of normalcy back maybe? It's awesome to have them back. They're excited to be back. Our coaches are excited to have them back and um, for a while there, there were, there were no athletes or coaches really around much. It was just uh, us administrators. And uh, I think probably three or four months into that, I told my wife, I said, every, every, all of the fun parts of my job, the parts I enjoy are gone. And it's just uh, dealing with budgets and crises and uh, all of that stuff uh, that we're, we're doing every day. So uh, it's uplifting. It's encouraging. It's brought a lot of energy to the building to have our student athletes back. And, um, you know, we're going through a lot of protocols and checks every day to, to try and ensure their safety. Uh, but I can tell you that by and large, they're very grateful for uh, the, the steps being taken so that they can return. You mentioned those protocols and, and the steps that you're taking to ensure that, that, that players stay safe and healthy. Uh, what kinds of things are you doing? How often are players being tested and things like that? So we've been uh, testing everybody upon return um, and uh, then doing surveillance uh, testing um, in uh, the, the NCAA categorizes the risk, high risk. So uh, golf, uh, outdoor golf would be a lower risk sport than football. Uh, mm -hmm. or, or where there's contact and you're in close proximity. So, um, but we're moving into an environment where everybody's going to test once a week and high risk sports during uh, their competitive season when they're playing outside competition are going to test three times a week. Uh, in addition to that, they're screening every day, uh, temperature screenings, a checklist that they ask and, <coughs> excuse me. So it's just a, uh, there's a lot to do. Uh, but it's what's required if we want to play sports. 
Absolutely. That's a, that's a lot of Q-tips up a lot of noses these days, that's for sure. Um, and something that, that I, I don't necessarily think is a fun thing. But um, So North Texas is going to have fans in attendance up to 25% capacity, right? How did you land on that number, and, uh, and what kind of uh, process did you go through to, to make those types of decisions? Well, um, we look first and foremost to the state uh, – uh, excuse me to state regulate uh, the state regulations and that was 50% and uh, we were dialed in on that for some time eventually we started looking at the increased cases that we saw over the months of June and July hey you know we're gonna have to back this down some and it those that was not a fun conversation to have with our staff and certainly with our season ticket holders and fans um, but if we wanted to do this safely, uh, we just knew that we needed to, to look at that capacity. And so uh, ultimately in conversations with state officials, other universities, our medical teams, uh, our medical staff here at UNT and then the conference staff, uh, we, we, all, we decided that 25% was probably the number that we should start with. Um, if things go extraordinarily well, maybe that increases if, if we get concerned. Uh, maybe that decreases, but we felt like that was a starting point where we could be comfortable. What kind of steps are you taking in the stadium to ensure that that, that fans that come are going to be safe, you know, have a more contactless experience? Are you doing things like mobile ticketing, um, you know, mobile ordering from uh, from concession stands, things along those lines? Are there steps like that that you can take in the stadium to, to reduce those touch points for fans? Yeah, different areas have different uh, different things that we're doing. So, for instance, in the club area, where there's always been a buffet included with the price of your ticket. Um, everything is moving to prepackaged foods, um, prepackaged drinks, uh, all, all of that kind of stuff. Um, in the stadium, we, we are, we do have an app now where fans can go and order in advance and it's all packaged up and ready to go. Uh, contactless payment options. Um, certainly have implemented mobile ticketing options. Um, so anything that we can do to, to try to, to, uh, slow, to, to provide those opportunities, scheduling appointments for an elevators, uh, staggering when people leave, sta trying to stagger when people get there. So we're opening gates earlier than we ever have so that we can extend that period out a little bit longer. And so um, those are all things that uh, we're attempting to do just to try and keep people from congesting uh, in, in certain areas. Uh, and from transmission of the virus, uh, screens in front of cashiers, uh, all, all of those, uh, those kind of things. Um, and then ultimately also require, requiring masks. I mean, um, we know in the transmission of the virus that masks are, are uh, really uh, effective. And so uh, we've even seen that inside the athletic department as we brought people back. And, and uh, you know, I tell people all the time, there's so much argument over the virus and uh, how dangerous it is, what we're giving up to stay safe. Uh, but one thing I do know, because we saw it with our student athletes, is it's highly contagious. And uh, so we got to do everything we can to make sure that we're not spreading it, uh, because those people who are immunocompromised, who have risk factors, um, it, it definitely takes a toll on those individuals, and we got a responsibility to keep them safe. Looking at your schedule, you have the season opener, and then you had a game get canceled, so then you have an off week before your next home game, if, if I'm reading it right. Is, is that going to be a good week just to evaluate how things went week one and then make any necessary adjustments? Um, is it important to keep that flexibility and adaptability moving forward just as you learn more and, and kind of walk through this experience? 
Yeah, and we had a lot of fans that wanted us to go find a 12th game uh, because there are teams with 12. But I remind them there are also teams right now, Rice in our conference has eight. So um, I don't – I really don't believe anybody will play 12 by the time we get to the end of the year. I just I understand how contact tracing works. Um, and uh, when you look at – you get two or three positives that could take out 15, 20 people, especially once you get in the season where there's a lot of contact between folks. Um, so – uh, you're right. We had a buy later in the season, I think uh, maybe mid to late October. And um, I, I didn't see a need to go out and try and hustle up that second game because, um, one, it gives us a little time to see how the first game went, which is against an FCS team, make adjustments to our team processes and protocols and to our stadium processes and protocols to see what worked, what didn't work, where we can get better. And um, and then also, um, just being candid, we didn't want to add expense to go travel somewhere else. Autonomy conferences uh, are not offering big paychecks right now because all of our finances are, are stretched. Um, I didn't want to add $200,000 to travel to an opponent somewhere. I didn't, uh, and I didn't really want to add a home game because we didn't lose a home game. We still had six and we didn't feel like we could charge more for that home game. We're not doing single game sales really, uh, so to speak on a week by week basis. We have a few hundred tickets. We're going to do that. And then if you did book a home game, that's really, you're going to have to return that game later. Uh, and so you really have lost a home game from a future season when you might have been at 100% capacity and maybe could have made money on that game. So when you looked at the financial side, there was really no incentive to go schedule it. You look at the adjustment side, we're changing so much, it gives us a point here early in the season to have time to make adjustments. And then you look at the practical side, which is I don't believe anybody is going to finish with 12 games to begin with. And the autonomy conferences, most of them have already dialed back to 10. Um, and so I just didn't see a need to go to rush out and, and fill that game. Um, there are a few fans that disagree with me, and that's okay. Uh, I understand that. They're hungry for football. I'm hungry uh, to, to see football games too, but they're going to get all six of their home games. Absolutely. No, yeah, I, I think I think you raised some good points there. And, you know, I think that the financial aspect of all of this is one that um, that has to be considered, right? I think a lot of fans view things through purely just the, the sport aspect and just wanting to see games, wanting to see players on the field, but there are financial implications here, right? Uh, football is a major uh, revenue driver for athletic departments and not being able to have full stadiums and, you know, uh, packed out concession stands and things like that does take a toll on an athletic department, right? So you have to be frugal and, and make smart decisions when it comes to where you allocate resources these days. Yes, but now more than ever. I mean, a couple of years ago, our budget, uh, had grown almost, uh, it was just a hair under $40 million. Um, this year, it'll probably be more like $36 million, and that's including we're probably going to add a million and a half or more in testing and just COVID-related uh, expenses. And so, um, you know, we're at a place, and we haven't, we, you know, I, it's hard for our coaches because we haven't been, since I've been here, our revenues have always been record gross every year. And so we've always had a little money. And so this is a new thing for them to have to go through. Uh, but we're kind of at a place where um, every expense has got to come from somewhere. And we've cut all of the operating we can cut. We're not going to cut scholarships. And so really, uh, any expense we take on at this point that 
uh, is an expense that, that we didn't budget and didn't, didn't have to take on, there's only one place to take that, and that's from people. Uh, and we want to definitely protect our people uh, as much as we can, as long as we can. We haven't had any layoffs, furloughs, risks. Uh, we would like to avoid those if at all possible. We definitely would want to minimize the impact if we did have to do those. And so we're going to have to do a really good job of uh, making sure that every expense we take on is needed, legitimate, helps make sure that we get this season uh, on and uh, – you know, we'll get through this and we'll, we'll pick up where we left off and we won't lose our momentum. Uh, but this year is going to be a year where we're going to scrutinize every dime. Uh, and we're going to, you know, we're definitely, that all matters. So. Definitely, definitely. So uh, this is one of those things where everybody is going through the same challenges right now. Everybody is dealing with this uh, however they can. What's your communication with other athletic directors inside Conference USA been like? What, what kinds of conversations have you guys had? And, and have you been maybe more in touch with them in, in recent weeks and months than you would have been in the past? Yeah, I talk to those guys more than I talk to my wife, I think. <laughs> I'm sure your wife loves that. We talk... Um, Formerly, as a league, uh, ever since March, anywhere from two to three times. Uh, mm -hmm. At times, it was three times a week. Uh, you know, after the first few months, it, we backed it down to twice a week. Um, but we talk informally um, daily uh, through text and, and, and conversations. And so um, it's been critical kind of to understand where everybody's at, understand how everybody's attacking different things. Make sure that what our doctors say is consistent to what other doctors say, and um, you know, and, and talking about where you get in your test, what the, what's the cost? I mean, just trying to help each other get through it. And um, you know, these are uh, uh, you know, the COVID uh, situation has been unprecedented, um, but also in the middle of this, we've all uh, instituted a lot of uh, social justice initiatives and mm -hmm. try to make sure we're doing our part. Uh, to to uh, fight for equality and justice. We know that's important to our student athletes, to our communities, to our campuses, to the world. And uh, so I think all of us have spent a lot of time sharing and trying to learn from each other during this time. So it's good to have such a tight network. Athletics business is really a, a tight knit business. People know each other. Uh, and so that's been really good to have that to fall back on as we go through, as we went through the last few months. That's a really great point. It's been an extraordinary time of, uh, of change and of action in our country. Um, and athletics has played a major role in that. So you, you mentioned, have you had conversations with players and with other with coaches and that sort of thing around uh, some of these social justice movements that have been taking place across the country? We have. Um, I've had a chance to meet with every team. Um, <clears throat> lots of conversations with our head coaches, our entire staff. Um, and listen, I think the first thing people have to understand, I have an intelligent uh, conversation about race and the problems that we have in the country, the first thing that I think you have to do is remove all of your personal biases and experiences uh, and try to understand, especially uh, for those of us who are, who are not minorities, who are not black in America. Um, I think that's easier. Uh, it's easier to gain that perspective uh, for someone who works inside an athletic department like I do, because every day I'm surrounded by tremendous diversity and I've heard 
experiences that our student athletes have shared, not just in the last few months, but over uh, the last 20 years in college athletics. And um, so I, under, I think I have a, a, a better understanding. Um, and while we've made a lot of progress in, the, in this country, uh, there's still, we still have a long ways to go. And, um, you know, and when you sit and hear some of the stories, you sit and hear some of the anxieties um, that, that our student athletes have, that, that people of color have, uh, it certainly is heartbreaking. Uh, and, and we all have a responsibility to fight for that, to make it better. And, and really, it's not just for black Americans or, or, minor, or minority Americans. It's for all of us. To have the kind of world that we want, um, you know, I mean, I, anytime I could, I've had several dozen communications from fans who uh, are hoping, uh, you know, they'll say, uh, hey, we hope nobody kneels during the anthem. And my response to that is always, I hope our country gets to a place where no one feels compelled to kneel during the anthem. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the bigger issue. That's what we have to fight and attack. And if that's where our focus is, if we get everybody focused in that direction, I really feel strongly about uh, our ability to fight through and, and develop some solutions uh, so that um, everybody in America feels like they're equally valued and they have equal access and equal rights. And uh, so I think having those conversations with our student athletes and coaches are meaningful. I've learned a lot. Man, I've learned a lot. Um, and uh, I, I'm hopeful that we can bring about real change. I believe that America is listening, maybe a higher percentage of Americans ever before, actively listening, listening with their heart and their mind, trying to learn, trying to understand, trying to empathize. And out of that can come solutions uh, that, that'll bring about real change for all of us. And, uh, and I can't wait as the father of two young daughters, uh, for, for a time when, whether you're black, white, female, uh, Hispanic, um, you know, whether you're fighting disability, whatever that is in life, people feel like uh, they're valued and appreciated and treated the same. Man, that's really powerful and really, really well said. So thank you for sharing on that, Ren. I, I appreciate it very much. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, I want to take things back to the field uh, as we wrap up here today. Uh, Ren, just uh, do you have any bold predictions or any uh, I- any big things that you're excited to see here uh, coming up for the UNT football season? I think we're, uh, you know, we had a disappointing year last year after the back-to-back nine-win seasons. We were predicted to win the league, and um, just the pieces just didn't fit together. And sports is funny that way. I mean, I mm-hmm. think we had a lot of individual uh student athletes who were very talented um but the chemistry and the and the puzzle pieces just didn't fit like they had in previous years um just being around our team uh man they're eager to play and they're they're very energetic and i think um i think we'll surprise some people this year if we can if we can get these games in. we got a tough schedule here early we we uh start with uh houston baptist um and uh, but then it, business picks up quick after that. We we have SMU in Houston. Uh, we lost A and M in the middle of there, so that probably is a little bit of a of a uh, of a break. But um, so we got some really tough games early. We'll see um, how that turns out. But I know our coaches are very very enthusiastic about 
what the season holds. And uh, we lost Mason Fine, and we've talked about him a lot on on, on these calls over the years. And um, you know, we'll miss him. But uh, if we can get some good quarterback play, I think I think we got a chance to be as good as anybody in this league. Ren Baker, athletic director at UNT. Ren, it's always a blast, man. Thank you so much for joining us here on Salary Cap. Hey, enjoy it. Appreciate you guys having me. And uh, I know uh, that, that you're, you're not, Tyler, a UNT graduate, but, but Zach has helped us here and you got a lot of UNT graduates and I know that they're making you successful there. It's true. It's true. They're, they're, they're lifting this Aggie up here. So, you know, I uh, wouldn't be able to do it without my UNT guys. And so uh, they're, they, they're, they're telling me the A&M is intentionally trying to duck the UNT game. So, you know, uh, it, I, I can't prove them wrong. You can't convince me that the, that the games they picked up, I can't remember. Do you remember which two opponents they picked up? Uh, Tennessee and Florida, I think. And there's no way that those are safer than coming to Denton. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. It's true. Ren, thanks again, man. It's always a pleasure. All right. Appreciate it.